Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Talking City. My name is Simon Bykowski and joined by Stuart Brennan. Hello there. And Joe Bray. Hello. Making his City podcast debut. Uh, Rich Fay's off this week, but we couldn't find anyone else to step in, so you've got me. Um, we'll be talking about the latest uh, games from City and what's going on in the international break and everything around that. So we'll start with the Newcastle game, which was on Saturday. City won 2-1, and Stu, what did you make of the game? Again, it was a case of City winning without really hitting top gear, which they did against Arsenal, and to an extent they did against Huddersfield. Um, you know, they, they've really not hit the straps properly yet this season, and that's a bit, a bit worrying maybe for the rest of the Premier League because they tucked in nicely on Liverpool's shoulder. Um, Guardiola has been talking about how the season starts after the international break when you start playing two games a week up until Christmas. Um, and it was pretty much as I expected, you know. I was talking to Newcastle fans who were expecting a 6 0 walloping and stuff, but I never thought that would be the case. You know, City, they had the problems with Newcastle last season before winning 3 1 uh, at home, and uh, they had the difficulties with them away, breaking them down before Raheem Sterling scored in the away game. So I never thought it'd be easy. Um, you know, and uh, Chelsea and Spurs won by the odd goal. Uh, in their games up at Newcastle so it, it was always going to be a, a tough ask to, to break it down um, but the fact that they, they did it they totally dominated the game you look at the stats you know they, they should have been out of sight really you know made chances and ended up winning it with two two good strikes so good result not a great performance but a decent performance um, and you know picking up the points and then uh, all being equal, when they come back from the uh, the international break, they should be ready to kick on. Joe, Sue said it's a worry for the rest of the league that City uh, have 10 points from a possible 12 after four games, despite not playing so well. Are there any worries for City? Any co- Anything that's going to be concerning Guardiola at this stage of the season? I think well, all the talk before the game was how, how are City going to break down a stubborn Newcastle defence? And it took them two very good goals, admittedly, but they weren't sort of the team goals that you, you've come to expect from City. It was two sort of moments of brilliance to, to break them down. So um, I think Guardiola might want to look at that sort of game in the future and think, how are we going to break down teams that come and just sit behind the ball? Because Newcastle played that game very, very well. And I mean, City have quite a, a reasonable start. They've got Cardiff and Fulham and Brighton, but... Those are teams where they might run into the same problems. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think some of those teams you've mentioned do like to play football as well a bit. I think Fulham will be tempted to go forward. Uh, they did OK against Tottenham at, at Wembley. Uh, so I think it might be easier. And Once Guardiola gets into the stride of things with, with his team and with his tactics, it might be a bit easier. But 
I mean, a win's a win at the end of the day, and that, that's what City have got in the locker when they're not playing the best. They can produce goals as they did on Saturday. I think the the thing that would worry me about it is that Newcastle have one attack and score one goal. Um, you know, that's been a feature of City in the last two years. They hardly ever concede an attack, but when they do, I, I mean, I don't know what the stats are, but the proportion of goals scored from those attacks, I would think, is disproportionately high. Uh, that's, that's perhaps something we need to have a look at. I can uh, give you the stats, too. You can? Yes. So we've, you've already done it. Incredible. Go on, then. Uh, they've had five shots on target this season and conceded three goals. Well, there you go. I mean, that that would be something that will concern Guardiola. You, you cannot... You cannot have, you, I don't think they'll win a league title with that kind of style no. at the end of the season. Um, they did sort it out last season. Um, but... I mean, it's part and parcel of the way Guardiola plays because he, he does commit so many players forward that when the other team do attack, a lot of the time they've got a numerical advantage. But that wasn't the case against Newcastle. It was just some poor defending, I thought, from Stones in failing to close uh, Salomon Rondon down. And then poor, poor from Mendy and poor from Sterling, perhaps, for not tracking his full-back. Um, and the, the lad arrived in the, the penalty area. Rondon was allowed to get across him. Uh, with no real difficulty, and then and then they score a goal. You know, if if they start doing that against better teams, they're going to get walloped a couple of times. Now the the caveat to that is that the Wolves' goal was offside and handball, but it's still instances in three games whereby a goal has come from nothing almost, and City have been almost blindsided by it. So it's that it's that focus that they need to. To pick up, um, but they have been have been working on defence uh, in training. And Joe, I think John Stones was talking, wasn't he, about the work that they've been putting in to try and cut out those errors. Yeah, um, he, he spoke after the game and he said that they've been working on different partnerships between, especially in the central defence area. So different partnerships. So when it does come to the games after the international break, that's two or three times a week, anyone can come in and know the role to do. But I think. As we've just been saying, you can see at the moment a bit of stability would be quite useful for City, um, especially in defence because the goal came. There was a massive gap in defence there, so maybe down the line it'll be really useful. It'll it'll help and it'll work out. But I think at the moment they need to get through that and get used to those partnerships. Now uh, we touched on this last week a bit, but as we are at our first pause in the season. Um, who has impressed you the most so far in these first four games? I'm having I'm Eric Laporte, so neither of you can can have him. Well, I'll go for him, Eric Laporte. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I know these questions about his defensive capability, but I'd go for Benjamin Mendy. Mm-hmm. I just think he's made such a big difference, and if Pep isn't overly concerned about his defending, I don't think anyone else should be. Um, having just said that, you know, City need to start out the <laughs> defender, but yeah, yeah. But but the th- the thing is that he's going to win you more games than he'll lose you. I mean, he, he does need to sort it out. He's defensively, he gets caught out of position. He gets caught ball watching as he as he seemed to be um, against Newcastle. But you look at the number of. I think you I think you said he had four assists this season, didn't you? I mean, I, I, 
I think he he's got three official assists, but he's also had a hand in two others that right. should really be. Does missed. that include a cross that was spilled at the feet of Aguero against? Yeah, Liverpool? I think so. Yeah. To me, that's an assist. Yeah, if you, exactly, you fire yeah. a cross in and the keeper spills it. Yeah, you should get an assist for that. So, I mean, I'd, I'd say I had it down as five. So I don't know which which one I count as an assist. So officially, isn't an assist, but. Let's just say he's had a hand in five. He's had a hand in five. Yeah, a big um, hand in five. And I think that that figure will grow as the season goes on. Um, it's not just the fact that he's he's a, he's a great overlapping fullback. He, he bombs forward. He's got pace and he's got power. Um, his cross is consistently good. You know, he, you rarely see him. You know, Kyle Walker's good on the other side. He's got the pace and the power. But his crossing isn't always fantastic. Yeah. You know? Mendy just seems to hit the button every time. He seems to put in dangerous crosses. He either picks his man out or he puts in a cross where you think there should have been somebody on the end of that. Uh, and he does it time after time after time. And I mean, it's no coincidence. He obviously has worked and worked at that on the training ground. Um, and I think it's a, it's a huge weapon, especially when you've got, a, you've got teams, as we say, who, who are going to defend in depth. Um, when that happens, you need you need quality in the final ball. You need to pick a player out, or you need to put it in a position um, that, that puts a defence in difficulties. And, and Mendy does that time and time again in games. Um, and he's just given he's given the City that outlet on the left hand side, which Sane gave them last season, of course. But it means they can they can play they can play two strikers if they want, uh, because with Sane they couldn't. Um, so you know, I, I think he's a, he's just been a massive, massive plus. Little bit of work he's doing defensively. He needs to switch on a little bit more uh, when the other team have got the ball. But I think that's far outweighed by what he adds in attack. Yeah, it's kind of like an old-fashioned attribute, really. Fullback being able to go down and cross the ball in for the strike because it's not really you know as desired these days. But it it does cause havoc every time he he puts the ball in. Um, Joe, you've got the short straw. Can't have Laporte. Can't have Mendy. Uh, I, th- I, I mean, I would have said Mendy, um, but I think I'll go back in Sterling. I think he had a poor, well, not a poor World Cup, but a difficult World Cup. Um, and he's come back and he scored two very good goals, two important goals. He's, uh, especially with Leroy Sane in and out of the side, not as influential as he was last season. I think having Sterling to step up after a difficult summer, I think he's done quite well there. Um, I think his goal on Saturday showed a different side to Mendy as well that we've just been talking about. He came inside, took the defenders with him and gave the space to Sterling to mm-hmm. then run in and get a shot away. So we talk about Mendy going down the wing and putting all these great costs in. He's very good at that. But the fact that he can come inside as well, a couple of his assists have come from that, that way as well. Yes, yeah. excellent. And as um, you said, St- uh, Sane, sorry, in and out of the side, very much out of the side at the minute. Um, on the bench for the first three league games he didn't even make the 18 for the Newcastle game Um, asked about it afterwards Pep Guardiola said that he can only pick 18 players in his squad and Phil Foden missed out the week before and Fabian Delph missed out the week before that so people have to get used to to not being in the squad Um, just as simple as squad rotation Stu? No no, it just isn't. I mean, the comparison doesn't stand with Fabian Delph or with Phil Foden. We all know where Phil Foden's at. He's a young player who's up and coming. 
uh, who's looking for looking for a chance to get into the the, the team. Uh, Fabian Delph, we know is is understood to Mendy principally, uh, and possibly um, will step in. Uh, you know, if if they have injuries in midfield. But Leroy Sane is a player who was young player of the year last year and played consistently for after the first five or six games when he was left out then. He played consistently. He, um, and he absolutely ripped it up. You know, we all we all know that what what he did last season and how, how big a contribution he made to City's title win. And the very fact that he was one of only two senior players who didn't go to the World Cup would have you thinking that he was gonna start it'd, it'd be a, an absolutely tied on starter uh, because he's had a full pre-season um, but there were noises when we were out in the States about him um, you know having upset Guardiola Guardiola made one or two little comments that suggested that he um, he wasn't entirely happy with Sane's contribution um, and then of course he was left out of the Germany World Cup squad and everybody was surprised and this week uh, we hear Tony Cruz Saying, uh, sorry, Tony Cross. I, th- I think the correct pronunciation is, is it? Is that right? Um, we we'll hear him saying that uh, sometimes Sane doesn't play for the team, uh, and also that he has to be told what to do on the field. Uh, so that's there's a little alarm bell ringing there. But we've got to remember he's still a young lad. He's still, you know, what is he, 22 now? Um, so he's still learning the game, so that isn't that isn't too concerning. But the fact that he's um, he was left out by Germany, then he was left out by City, despite being an extreme talent. You know, he's not just a, a good player. I think he's a potentially Ballon d'Or winner. You know, world world class footballer. Um, there's, there's a little worry about it, um, but you've got to you've got to think that. Joachim Löw and, and Pep Guardiola know what they're doing and how, how to handle a young player like that. Um, last season, Sane was left out for five of the first six. Admittedly, he wasn't left out of the matchday squad as he was last week, but he, he, he was substitute for five of the first six games, and his response was, was terrific. He, he came, you know, he played at West Brom, scored two two good goals, uh, and then came on as a sub against Liverpool, scored two more. And basically said, right, drop me now. And Guardiola didn't. He kept him. You know, he, he was first choice for the rest of the season, and uh, and just justified everything that had gone before it. Now, Joe, you said Sterling stepped up in Sane's absence. So there are quality players who are playing instead of him. Is does he face more competition for a starting place this season? Sort of regardless of his own situation. Yeah, I think he does. Obviously, you got Riyad Mahrez who's coming the sort of wide positions uh, Bernardo Silva he, he played a lot last season but he's, he seems to have stepped up a gear again this season um, so maybe this leaving him out of the squad is a, is a kick for Guardiola to say yes you got player of the year but you need to do better now um, and if it needs to be done at this stage of the season it's a better, better time to do it than when you're fighting for trophies on all fronts mm. uh, and maybe being away on international duty will give him a bit of time away from City to come back we can hope he can come back and fire on all cylinders again. The other competition he's got is Mendy, of course. Even Definitely, though he doesn't yeah, play in the yeah. same position, because Pep can play a system whereby Mendy covers two positions. Really, he's a left back and he's he's a left winger, all rolled into one. And if you've got a player who's got the, the dynamism and the, the stamina and the ability to do it, 
uh, why wouldn't you play him? So, you know, Sane needs to take note of that and perhaps up his defensive game um, if he wants to wants to get back in the team. Yeah, I think you'd arguably say that they've not missed Sane because of Mendy and Sterling and all these players that have come in as well. Now, only a, a theory of mine, but I kind of think a lot of the time in football there's sort of things are set up or knocked down and with Sane missing the World Cup it was set up for him to have a brilliant pre-season and show Germany exactly why why they made a mistake in not picking him but I just wonder with the World Cup how much it has affected him sort of not going as well you know he's only 22 and when we spoke to him out in New York when he you know seemed fine on the training pitch but it was um, you know someone asked him if he'd watched the World Cup mm. and he looked at them as if they had two heads and said of course it's it's the World Cup you don't miss a game and I don't know I just find quite sad the thought of you know him not being able to go flying out to LA for a holiday with his girlfriend and then getting up at 5am to watch Saudi Arabia on the telly <laughs> he, I don't know I think maybe there's also a as much as made of his sort of his focus and his attitude whether you know, he's also still hurting from that World Cup. Well, he's, when, when, as, as you say, when we spoke to him, he, he, he actually said that, didn't he? He said that he'd taken it very badly. Yeah. And he said it took him a few weeks to get over it. You, you do wonder whether he has actually got over it, whether he's still... whether it's knocked his confidence. Uh, but from what we've seen in the past, uh, it will have knocked his confidence to be left on the bench for five of the first six games last season. Yeah. Uh, you you would think if that's the case, but the fact that he actually came storming back and and was so good for the rest of the season would suggest that he's not a player who's going to go off onto the bench and start having crises of confidence. He's somebody who who sort of says if the manager thinks he's going to leave me out, I'm not yeah. having it. I'm going to go out and play and show them, that. and that's what we all expected. We, like you say, we expected him to come out in pre-season and be brilliant, and then go into the season at full tilt and. Uh, and make Joachim Löw look a bit of a mug for leaving him out. Yeah, but he, he hasn't done that, and that's, that, is, that is slightly concerning. But I mean, the first season he was here as well, he took time. He did to sort of convince himself that he could fit in and was good enough for the team. So again, maybe we're looking for everything to be linear and him to get better and better, and mm-hmm. the confidence maybe comes and goes. But um, I guess final word to say on on Sane is that as much as Guardiola's playing hardball with him. It was he did uh, give him a ring when he was left out of the World Cup to make sure every everything was okay. So um, there is some love there as much as uh, he's uh, giving him the the cold shoulder at the minute. If we're gonna drag out every cliche I can think of, but moving on, it is international uh, break and Raheem Sterling did go off and link up with the England squad but pulled out with a back injury. Um, there wasn't any sense after Newcastle also that there was a, a problem with him? Well, it certainly wasn't during the game. I, I made him my man of the match. Um, there was nothing said after the game that he had a problem. You do you do wonder. I mean, you, people are bound to speculate, especially with it being Sterling, the amount of flack he's, he's taken, um, not just for England, but, but whatever he does in his life, he seems to get stick for it. Uh, you do wonder whether he's, he's he's thought well I can do without this um, and just 
and just come up with a with an injury. I mean, we we can't say that because he's the lads the lads injured, you know. Um, but people are speculating that that's the case, especially with other city players already having having either been left out by their, their countries or having pulled out of or, or sort of not been available for for squads. It does look like too much of a coincidence that. You know, none of the Brazilians have been picked. Uh, not, neither of the Argentinians have been picked. Yeah. Um, and people start putting two and two together. I know there's been a lot of Liverpool fans on social media who've who've been putting that two and two together. And, and then Sterling pulls out for England, and people think, Yeah, hold on a minute. This 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 is this smacks of what Fergie used to do with United. You know, he used to make sure his players weren't yeah. available. For, people have been basketball. impressed with that though. You know, I've seen a lot of praise for Guardiola, mischievous yeah. praise for doing it, but Absolutely. it seems to be uh, getting credit for it, whether it's planned or not. Yeah, well, his job is to look after City, not England or Argentina or Brazil. He's um, and, and if City come roaring out of the international break and uh, and sort of start making inroads at the top of the table, well, uh, it'll, be, it'll be completely justified. The other uh, downside still in pulling out is that Real Madrid won't get to watch him. That's uh, <laughs> a, a shame. We there's uh, been a story that Real Madrid are interested in Raheem Sterling still. Um, he has spoken before about a move to to Spain as being sort of something he'd be be up for. Less than two years on his contract. Um, do City need to tie him down? Do you think? Uh... I mean, it wouldn't hurt. He's, he's a player that you'd want to keep, um, and I think if Real Madrid come calling, you'd be silly not to go if you're Raheem Sterling. Um, whether he'd fit in at Real Madrid, I'm not too sure. They, they want sort of big, big players, big names, and Sterling seems to me more of like a, a team player that mm. it, it, the Benzema type role. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem to me as someone who would fit Ronaldo's shoes, for example. Yeah. Um, but no, I think if there's any interest, City should keep him because he's been so important to them. You look at his goal scoring record last season and his assists and how he started this season. Whether this is a move from his agent, we don't know. But I think, yeah, keep Sterling. You see this talk, it's been sort of cat and mouse as one side claims one thing and then the other side claims the others. And it's always complicated contract negotiations. But is there... Is there mileage, do you reckon, Stu, in just paying Sterling what he wants now, even if you think he might go in summer? Because if you tie him down to a big contract now, then you get more for him, won't you, in summer? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult game to play, isn't it? We know that his, his agent is, you know, he's, he's only looking out for Sterling's best interests, he's doing his job. Um, but we saw when, when he sort of engineered the move from Liverpool that he, he's not afraid of a little bit of controversy and a little bit of uh, unpleasantness um, if he wants to get a player out of the club or indeed if he wants to get the player a new contract. I don't think for a minute that, that Sterling wants to go to Madrid. Um, I'm sure Madrid will be watching him uh, because they'll watch any player who's, who's performing at that kind of level. Um, and I disagree with Joe when Joe said he'd be a fool not to go to Madrid. I think he'd be a fool to go to Madrid. I don't think it'd be a good move for him, uh, given his well, you know, I, I don't, I don't clash. Think, yeah, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's as big a move as it used to be. It just it used to be the case that if you were a top player, you go to Madrid or Barcelona. 
I don't think that's particularly the case anymore. Um, and I think City are much better fit for Raheem Sterling. I think he'll thrive. I think he'll win a lot of trophies with City. He'll get well rewarded for it. Um, and going to Madrid would lay him open. You know, we, we've seen that he doesn't always react well to criticism. Um, and I think I think if the fans started getting on his back at Madrid, which they don't at City, I think it could cause him problems. Um, and the expectations are, are so huge at Madrid still that I, I, I think it would be a really bad move for him. I think he's much better off at City. Um, and I, I think as a footballer, you, it's a bigger test as well, you know, in a lot of ways. You, you've got a La Liga uh, and you've got one, maybe two, of the top three teams who are going to test you in a season. In the Premier League, you get tested every single week, one way or another. Um, so I, I think going to La Liga is an easy option. You know you're going to win. If you got Real Madrid, you know you're going to win trophies. Same with Barcelona. You don't know that if, if you're at City or Liverpool or United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. Um, you've got to work for those trophies. And I think it's uh, if, if you're a footballer who wants to uh, who wants to prove themselves, I, I think you prove yourself more in the Premier League than you do in La Liga. Controversial. Controversial, yeah. I mean, is there also the England factor to consider? Uh, both in the sense that there's quite a good core of English players now at City. There's Delph, John Stones, Kyle Walker, Phil Foden coming through. But on the other side of that, like we've said, whenever Sterling plays for England, he gets grief from just about everyone under the sun for, you know, no apparent reason or you know no reason that you'd like to talk about would those be a factor in whether he stays or whether he goes well I always think that English players should go to these leagues more often to, to see to play those different styles so when England come up against your Spain your Francis your Germany's they're more in tune with how the opposition are playing well, that's because you give us stuff about England. Most, <laughs> most Premier League fans, certainly City fans, yeah. United fans, yeah. don't really give a damn about England, to be honest. You know? so, Especially the way Sterling's been treated as well. Yeah, yeah. Sterling moving yeah. for the good of the English national team. <laughs> but if Sterling does want to improve for England, maybe a move to Real would give him sort of a different side of the tactical side of it that would, would help him in that way. And you could say that he'd have more chance of winning the Champions League with Madrid than, than City. But ask me that in a year's time. Controversial. <laughs> Controversial. Manchester I'm, City... Um, Favourites. Favourites for the yeah. Champions League, which surprised me a little, but I guess they're there now. They should be wanting to... Is that, that's on the basis of the draw? Or, I mean, I wasn't... Um, I was off last week when the draw was made, but did the, did the, the favouritism come as a result I, of the draw? I looked at the odds before the draw. Right. So... So they were favourites before the draw. Favourites before the draw. Okay. I don't see it that way, but fair enough. Who'd you see ahead of them? Well, you, you don't look beyond the traditional ones, do you? I mean, Barcelona, Madrid, Juventus, um, yeah. and then uh, Bayern Munich even, you know. They just have a, a knack of winning it, don't they? Would you, um, would you shorten City's odds after that group stage draw? Well, you've got to, haven't you? Because if you get a, it's a reasonably easy group. Yeah. I don't think there is an easy group these days, but it's it's, it's easier than the ones they've been having in recent years. Yeah. So you attack them to get through. I mean, it's not so straightforward in some of the other groups. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you, the odds are bound to fall when you get a reasonably easy passage through the group stage. But 
as as we saw last year, City were sort of the best, one of the most impressive teams in the group stages, but it didn't it didn't count for that much in the quarter final. No, but it was it was a str- I mean, the fact that they came up against Liverpool. I think I think if City had got anybody else, yeah, even you know, I, th- I don't think Liverpool were the best team in the quarter final. Um, but it's just that thing they've got over City. Uh, there's an Anfield hoodoo going on. Um, the fact that they they've just beaten them in the league. Uh, they've got the players who can really punish City the way they set up. That's a that's something Guardiola's got to deal with when they played Liverpool this year. I just think that Liverpool was the worst possible draw. I think if City had got anybody else in that quarter final, they would have gone through and quite possibly gone on to win it. Unless you've got Liverpool in the semi-final, of course. Um, so I, I just think it was a combination of circumstances that Liverpool was the worst possible draw and everything that happened, you know, I'm not making excuses because Liverpool were the better team over the two legs, but they did get um, they did get advantages from what happened with the attack on the City team bus on the way, which I do think affected players. Um, and they got the rub of the green with a couple of decisions in the over the two legs um, and all in all I, I think that Liverpool um, had, had a little bit of luck and um, which is what you need you know, you, to, yeah you do in you those know, sort of you do. But, but when some of that luck, luck is provided by a bunch of idiots throwing stuff at a team coach it's, <laughs> it's perhaps uh, it's perhaps not on um, but yeah so I, I think that uh, unless you get Liverpool again this season but then, even then, I think I think they'll learn from what happened last season, and they'll go into it with their eyes more wide open. Uh, and I think they will um, they'll deal with it a lot better if they, if and when they do play Liverpool again in European competition. And they will go into it having played at Anfield once more. It's a big game coming up in mm-hmm. October. But before the Premier League returns, we have the international fixtures. Of course, there's not sixteen City players to look out for, but is anyone? Anyone interested in any games from the UEFA Nations League? Anyone tell us what the UEFA Nations League is? <laughs> They've got an anthem. I was listening to that this morning. All right. Which uh, sounds like a some kind of Russian funeral dirge, as far mm. as I can hear. Which is perhaps a, a fitting <laughs> a fitting uh, piece of music to, to fit to uh, to the competition. How does it compare to the Champions League anthem? Uh, it's not as upbeat. Right. Uh, City fans haven't booed it much yet. I'm okay. sure they will if they get the opportunity. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, it's like any competition. When it first comes in, people look at it askance, don't they? Uh, but we've been moaning for years about pointless, meaningless international friendlies. Yeah. And UEFA have responded to that and come up with a competition that does. You never know. We could be looking back in 10 years and it could be up there with the European Championships and. Uh, the Champions League and the way we way we look at things. I know the European Championships when they first came in, people were saying, "Why do we need this?" You know, we've already got the World Cup, uh, but now it is seen as a as a big deal every four years. So we, we could we could look back on it, and and pl- it is it is nations of a similar standing playing against each other rather than England playing Switzerland in a friendly or Panama in a friendly. Well, you disrespected Saudi Arabia. Okay. So, so if I'm uh, I'm having a pop at Switzerland for no apparent reason. Um, so yeah, it's, it's teams of a similar standing who are playing each other. So there is an interest in that in that regard. But if you if you get players who are sort of 
they were pulling out in droves and, uh, and sort of seeing it as a, as a fortnight's rest um, well it is going to totally devalue it as a competition but we'll see, we'll see how it develops Joe any, uh, any fixtures you, you're keen on like Stu's saying there are some big ones England, Spain, Germany, France yeah I mean the two that you mentioned there are probably the standout ones I think not England, Switzerland <laughs> <laughs> that's a friendly isn't it that's not a that's not part of the, the Nations Cup that's just a, a meaningless friendly at Leicester for some reason <laughs> but I think surely managers like Pep Guardiola will prefer their players to be going and playing like competitive games against better yeah. opposition rather than your friendlies against I mean look at Wales they're going to be playing Denmark third division players yes. it's not going to help anyone yeah so, it's mad that they got like, like a YouTuber playing for them I think so yeah there's some <laughs> futsal players some issues yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Well, we shall look forward to England playing not YouTubers, and uh, we'll be back next week to see how the players got on on international duty and what else has been going on at City ahead of their return against Fulham in the Premier League uh, next Saturday. So, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes and Acast. And thanks to Stu and Joe, and we'll be with you next week.